Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name's Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors. We're so glad that you're with us, especially here with us for the very first time. Um, and we always welcome our guests, and hopefully you come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. Yeah, the reason we do that is because we believe that in order for you to get the full experience of Rise, you need to come at least three times, and uh, hopefully we can be your spiritual family. If you're watching online, we'd love you to like, comment, share, leave a review. Do something in the comments, man. Let us know that you're with us, and Merry Christmas. Well, it's here, everybody. It is here. Holiday season is in full swing, and uh, I'm sure that you're here hoping that God would give you some grace and to make it through it. So hopefully uh, we have a good message for you today. We're starting a brand new series called The Christmas Table, and the reason we're doing that is because I was thinking back to my, my memories. How many of y'all have like great memories of Christmas growing up, you know, and, and you kind of grow up thinking about different things? One of the things that, that I remember the most and one of my favorite memories were around the Christmas table. We're Mexicans, so everything we do is with food. So it was like, let's just do it. And we eat at everything. And so everything had to do with the Christmas table. But at Christmas time, the table was even better. We had different placemats. We had different foods. Come on, how many of y'all had like the sugar cookies? And we did all the fun desserts and you had all these things. And it was amazing because it was different. And what I love about the Christmas season is that it brings families and people that are unique together. And today, I'm going to bring up a passage of scripture that I thought was unique about how today we're going to talk about how to, quote, set the table. Everybody say set the table. Yeah, because before you eat at the table, you got to set the table. You got to actually have some things set up so that you can have a good experience at the table. And there's a great passage of scripture in Mark chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, that's where we're going to be, Mark chapter 6. Um, if you don't know anything about the scriptures, the Bible is such a unique collection of books. It's not one book. It's a collection of books. And it starts off with the, kind of the Old Testament half, and then it, the back half is kind of like the New Testament half. And in the New Testament, it starts Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to be in Mark. Mount Mark is going to be the book that we're in. And all they are are the gospels. So the gospels are the life of Jesus. They're telling the story of Jesus's life. So it kind of gives us the birth and gives us the life and the ministry and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They're found in the gospels. We're going to be in Mark chapter six today. And Mark is a great book because if you have ADDDD like me, like if you can't like focus on things, how many of y'all struggle to read books or anything like that? Y'all struggle to read and you're like, I would rather read a book on like Audible, right? Like you read it, read to me, or you rather watch the movie of the book, you are going to like Mark. Like if you want to go read about the life of Jesus, read Mark. Because Mark is one of the guys, I felt like he was like me. He was the ADD version of everything that was going on in Jesus's life. Because if you go read it, he would say stuff like, Jesus healed the sick. And then, and he went and walked on water. And then he went and did something crazy. And then, and I'm like, this is amazing. This is like the crib notes version of what Jesus is like. So you should totally go read Mark if you want like a synopsis of Jesus's life. And in Mark chapter six, he's in the middle of ministry. He is the Jesus right now, like the Jesus. He's not the unknown Jesus. He's the known Jesus. He's got all the followers on Twitter. He is actually selling out all the Coliseums. He has every YouTube channel. His TikTok is blowing up. He is the man. And he shows up. He's called literally to his hometown. And it, it, it's such an interesting passage of scripture. I got to read it to you because it, it Throws off all logic. So Matthew chapter six, verse one. Everybody with me? Everybody say, okay. Everybody say, I got you. We got to wake up in here because it's like, it's raining outside. It's cold. Everybody's just a little lethargic. So just reach up. Come on, reach your hands up in the air. Come on, shake it out. Shake it out. You got to wake up a little. I got to do a little old school youth ministry up in here. Y'all got, y'all like looking at me like, pastor, you don't understand. It's cold outside. I understand. I was standing out there shaking hands. So all right, Mark chapter six, verse one. It says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach the synagogue and many who heard them were amazed. And he said, where did this man get these things? This guy is preaching fire. What's the wisdom that has been given to him? What are all these remarkable miracles he is performing? And what they're not asking because 
they're necessarily in awe of who this person is because he's an unknown character. They're in awe because they've seen him before. And they're going to show you why they're in awe. They go, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of Jesus, the Joseph, a, a Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? We know this dude. He ain't nobody. We went to high school with this kid. I saw him get beat up. Like, we know him. He was the one kicking ankles. He was the one we were kicking out of school. Like, we know Jesus. And they took offense to him. Jesus said to them, he recognized, let me just tell you, may we never be a church that looks upon our, our house like this. Where he says, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown. Among the people who he's closest to who know him the best. He said, the prophet, is, he's honored everywhere. Except with people who know him best. And he could do no miracles there. That, that word there shudders me. I never want to be there. There. Except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed. <laughs> this is scary. When you amaze Jesus at your lack of belief in him. And I was thinking about this. I'm like, I never want to be there. I always want a miracle. I always want to have a miracle possibility. I want to have a, be, be an ability to have miracles. And this story always reminds me of something so important. It's what we're talking about today. It reminds me that atmosphere matters to God. Yeah, yeah. Like setting the table is like setting the tone. It's about atmosphere. It's about like almost, almost, almost more than what you serve. The atmosphere with what you serve it really, really matters. So, so like your life, if you want a good holiday season, Christmas is coming up. It's here. You, you're going to have to care about atmosphere. So with that as our backdrop, let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord. And I thank you that, God, you have a word for us. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would be in this place and that you would transform the hearts of people. Let it not just be information. Let it be transformation. Let there be impartation. Let us walk out actually ready to do something different this holiday season. I pray that your word would speak. Let your time be in here in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody shout amen. Amen, amen. amen. Well, it's here. It's here. Christmas is here. I don't know about you, but I feel like it crept up on me a little bit. Anybody else? Anybody else feel like it just kind of, I woke, I went to bed in July and I woke up and it was Christmas. And I, I was like, I looked at my wife. I was like, man, it's, it's upon us. And it can be tough because, you know, you know, the hardest thing about the holiday season, can I be honest, is that you're forced to hang out with people that you really try to avoid the rest of the year. <laughs> Isn't that true? Like you're going to go to Christmas parties now. Come on. Y'all know. You're going to go to Christmas parties and you're going to be with neighbors or coworkers or people and like, come on, y'all, friends that you were conveniently washing your hair with, not available with. Now you have to because there's only one Christmas season and you have to hang out with them. You know, that's, it's, it's coming. It's here. It's here. Uh, uh, Christmas shopping. You're going to have to go to the store. Some of y'all are like, I, I hate the store. I have event. I'm not going to be at the store. The store is no longer a part of my life. I choose online shopping. And what's funny is, is you're still going to have to go to the store at some point. I mean, it just is what it is. And you're going to find some things. It's going to be a last minute item. You're going to have to fight that person in line. You're going to have to look at them and be like, look, man, you better back up. Otherwise, you won't get holy hit right now. Like, it's, it's going to happen. I love Jesus, but I'm barely saved up here in Macy's. So you just better back up, right? 
right? Can, can we tell the truth? Shame the devil. Can we tell? Yeah, y'all already had that moment, apparently. You're going to have to shout with people you don't like. Or, you know, you're going to have to um, go to family gatherings. I mean, like family gatherings where people are going to walk into your house. Uncles you, you really don't like. Cousins you don't care much for. Family members that you don't even really want in your house, but they're coming back into your house to bring things into your house that you don't like in your house. And you have to argue and not fight and not, come on, not win and not try to, you got to try to be Christian. And they'd be like, man, you, we, we love you. We miss you. And you're like, I don't feel the same way. And so you're just, but you deal with it because they're, they're, they're people. And so the question in the holiday season is always, how do I deal with difficult people in my family? How do I, how do I prepare myself for the people who, who drained me? How do I put myself around people who, who offended me, who've harmed me? How do I deal with my, my exes, and my ends, right? My in-laws. How do I deal with people that I don't normally deal with? And you know, some of y'all come from split families, and this is the time of year where it's really hard because you have to figure out how to put your family with another family, and, and you do it for the kids, and, 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 and there's some sensitivity to that. I mean, how do you, how do you deal with it? How, how, do you, how do you deal with it? Can I just tell you, much of what you're going to experience is determined by the atmosphere you set. There's, there, there's, a, there's a table that your life you're going to have to set. Now, again, we're using the table as an example or as an illustration or maybe even a metaphor, but your life is a table. Your life is a, is a, is a it's, it's something you're going to have to figure out what your atmosphere is going to be. I'm going to give you the definition of atmosphere. Atmosphere is the mood, the tone, the environment. I like to say it's the spirit. You ever walk into a house and there's like a spirit of hospitality in it? You ever, you ever walk into a house where you feel like that? You're like, you walk in and they, you feel like you could live there, right? Like they're so kind, they're so loving, they're so amazing. You're like, I never want to leave. And then at the end of the night, they're like, you need to leave because you don't live here. <laughs> but there's other houses you've ever been to where you walk in and the moment you walk in, you realize this is, no, this is, nope, 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 nope. Like, have you ever walked into a place and you knew that the husband and wife were just fighting? Yeah. Come on, y'all know? Y'all know? That, come on, it's an atmosphere. There's an atmosphere that's set. And it, isn't it true that that atmosphere, as you walked in, set the tone for the rest of the night? Yeah. Or if you tried to change it, it was like an uphill battle. You walking through mud, through sand. Come on, it was hard. Why? Because atmospheres are powerful and they matter. Some of y'all been around when your mom and dad were fighting. Y'all remember what that was like when your mom and dad were fighting? What the atmosphere changed like? Atmospheres are powerful. Remember when you walk into that party and the music was playing and then your song came on? Come on, how many of y'all know? Like, that's my song, all the single ladies. You know, you're like just, you're just trying to sing. Some of y'all seen y'all at parties, you know, y'all like your song, come on, DJ plays your song, y'all grabbing your girl and you be like, hey, it's time to go, Macarena. It's, it's time, right? Why? Because the atmosphere was set for you to have a good time. Remember, you've been in that scary movie. I know some of y'all like scary movies. I don't like to be scared. I try to avoid being scared. Some of y'all look to get scared. But you get around a scary movie, and then all of a sudden, the creepiness of the sounds and the area, and you turn off the lights, and you get all creeped out. And I'm like, this is crazy and creepy. And you, why? Because the atmosphere is powerful. Or sometimes, y'all, if y'all, you know, y'all married in here, y'all be getting like that romantic flow. Y'all, when you set the, guys, isn't it true? That with our ladies, it's not even the, what you say and what you did. It was the atmosphere and the tone you set before the date even happened, right? You, you put the candles out. You put out, you, you actually took a shower. You put on clean clothes. The house was nice. The kids were gone. Hello, little Marvin Gaye, press play. And the tone, come on. The atmosphere was set. It was just kindling, waiting for a match. You're waiting for it. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Why? Because atmospheres, come on, they 
They matter. And if that's true for our life in the holiday season, then let me just tell you, you and I better, better know what to do. So I'm going to use today's story inside the scriptures. I'm going to use today's story, and it's going to be a little different. Instead of telling you how to set the table or how to, you know, set the vibe, I'm going to tell you how to kill the vibe. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a little opposite. So these notes are going to be what not to do this holiday season, all right? So it's going to be, these are three ways to kill the vibe, okay? I'm going to give you three ways to kill the vibe today. If you want to have a terrible holiday season, this is how you set the table, okay? So this is what happened with the people who were in Jesus's life, and it ruined their experience with Jesus, didn't it? We just read, like, Jesus is the man, and their experience was ruined simply because they had the worst vibe and atmosphere imaginable. So bad that the Jesus who's walking on this earth, changing people's lives, couldn't change their life. That's the danger in your world. That's the danger in my world. We're going to talk about today. Three ways to kill the vibe. This might be odd. Number one, make people ordinary. Yeah. Make people, treat people like they ain't not a son of the most high God. Because it's, isn't it, you would think if you saw Jesus walking up, because I know how y'all think, this is because I think like this. If I really saw Jesus walk up, oh, I would treat him like Jesus. The funny thing is, the Jesus who died for the people that are in your life that you say you honor so much. You don't treat them like that. And the Bible calls us, I'm going to convict you today. It's going to happen. I'm just going to tell you right now. I'm not going to get any Christmas cards for today. <laughs> but the people that you don't like right now are the people that Jesus died for. And the people that the Bible says reflect, they were made in the image and likeness of Christ. And if you treat them like they're just ordinary, man, you're going to get what you got. He said, verse 3, isn't this the carpenter? Like, isn't this the Mary's son and brother James and James and Jesus? And Who is this guy? This guy ain't nobody. I saw him. I know him. That's my cousin's brother. I know that dude. He ain't nobody. In verse 5, he could do no miracles there. Translation, they got what they expected. So they believed Jesus was just a carpenter's boy. He was just a little kid Jesus. He was just ordinary Jesus. And that's who they got. Because you get what you expect. Better said, they saw him through the lens of his past. Now, I want, I just, I'm curious. I'm curious. How many people in your life that you're mad at right now that you can't stand... You still see them through, through their past. I'm just, I'm just asking. How many of the people in your life right now who you have an issue with that you can't stand coming to the house soon or that are currently there right now, don't look around, like, <laughs> you, 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 they did something to you one time, long time ago. There's a pain. There's a betrayal. There's a hurt. There's a wound, and it, I'm not saying it's not real, but you still look at them because through the lens of that wound, and they can never be who they're supposed to be because they're still stuck in your eyes as the carpenter's kid. 
And when you see people as they were, it's dangerous because here's, here's why. How I see them, how I see you is often what I receive from you. So if I see you as ordinary and not special, this is, this is, what, this is what, what drives wedges in marriages. If you have marriage right now and you're married, this is why you want to know why you have an issue with your spouse is because you still see your spouse through the lens of who they were. They hurt you. I'm not saying they didn't hurt you, but they hurt you when they were immature and you still haven't really forgiven them for it. And so there's still the little kid Jesus in your life. You're still the past. There's still that what he used to be. There's still what she used to be. And you haven't moved on from that. And you're like, well, I need them to say I'm sorry. Really? That's what it's come down to. Your happiness is now attached to their ability to say a word to you. Your future is now attached to their ability to tell you something that you already know in your heart. If they could, art- some of y'all really, really are caught up into this. You're stuck in their past. It's not your past. You're stuck in their past. Who they were is now affecting who you are. There's a relative in your life. Come on. Some of y'all have struggles with your, with your relatives, whether it's an uncle or a cousin, or I dare to say, maybe it's a parent who walked out on you. And maybe they've reached out. Maybe they're trying to figure it out. The immature, wrong version, should they have walked out on you? No. But the decision that they made is limiting your ability to get something from them now. I'm just, I'm just asking the question. Is what you see in your past, when you see them through the lens of their past, it's limiting. What, or a coworker, come on, how many of y'all have that coworker who just did something to you and you can't get over it? I'm just saying, at some point, we got to learn to love people like Jesus loved people. John chapter 13, I'll give you a way Jesus said. He said, a new commandment I give you today. This is a new commandment. He said, you heard, so he's referencing the old commandment, the old covenant. He's saying, what you heard was, this is going to be, he goes, he goes, a new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. That you also are to love one another. So he's referencing the great commandment. He's now created something uniquely different. Because Moses always said, love people as you want to be loved yourself. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll get like a caveat to that. So I'm like, well, sometimes I don't love myself very much, so I don't really have to love them very much. (laughs) Deal with it. But when Jesus comes on the scene, he does something so unique. He goes, well, here's the deal. I know you guys were told by Moses. He was a good guy. Love Charlton Heston. He's amazing. But at the end of the day, the best way to live is to not love them like you want to be loved. Love them the way I love people. That's a higher standard. It makes it infinitely harder. It's simpler in nature, but it's harder. And he says, by this, this which is love, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So in order for people to know you're a Christian, it's not whether or not you put Christian on your Facebook status or whether or not you share the daily Bible verse or whether or not you're really nice to someone. It's actually if you choose to love them as Christ loved them. So here's what that looks like. Love looks like for Jesus. I'm just saying in this context means you elevate them beyond their past into their future. That's how you love people. That's how you deal with it. That's how you not keep them ordinary in your life. That's how you set the tone for who they are. I I, I was asked the other day, um, I say, uh, if you get around me long enough and I talk to you uh, and you're you're, uh, uh, around me, I'll call you man of God. Like, have y'all heard me say that before? I say it a lot, man of God, and, you know, and, and some people think it's funny and cheesy and quirky, and, and that's okay. I think you're funny, cheesy, and quirky. So anyway, I judge you before you judge me. So anyway, so like, um, but, but, or I'll say woman of God, or, or I'll call you, and, and you know what's funny? Somebody told me, he's like, how you know I'm that? 
Why do you call me? I'm not immoral. How, why do you, what? Or, or someone told me, you don't know he's a man of God. I said, well, that's true. He goes, well, why do you say it? I said, I'm just calling them to who they, I think they could be. I'm just speaking life into them. I mean, maybe he's not a man of God right now, but he's he going to be. I'm just going to speak that over him. I, maybe I just believe God can do anything. I don't know. I just want to call you a man of God. I believe you can be a man of God. I, I just, what do you want me to call you? Sinner, sinner of God? <laughs> hey, sinner of God. Hey, hey, you didn't make it today, huh? That sucks to be you. Oh, man. You, well, keep trying. No, no, I want to love them, right? Does Christ love them? God, God see, you know how the Bible says God sees you? He sees you as his son. He sees you as a man of God. He sees you as a woman of God. So like, I'm just going to call you in what I believe you possibly could be. I like what he says in Hebrews chapter 8, for I will forgive their witness and remember their sins no more. I'm just trying to be like Jesus. I'm just trying to be like Jesus. One, if I want to enter into just, I want to believe God for your, for your future. Number two is this. Number two is this. You want to kill the vibe? Get easily offended. Get easily offended. <laughs> no, no, okay. Offense is one of the most talked about things in church. And then I hear a lot. Of, why do you got to keep talking about offense? Because y'all get offended. And I've told people this before. I've said, if I have not offended you yet, give it time. Give it time. Because I'm going to do something. Eventually, I'm going to say something. I'm going to make a decision in this church. Something's going to happen. And you are not going to agree with it. And it's going to push a button. It's gonna, and you know what it is? It's going to be a bruise. Something that's not healed from a past mistake or a past issue that you had. And it's going to, ooh, that feels similar. And I don't like that, Pastor. And you're going to get offended. And it ruins the vibe. Offense starts you off on the wrong foot in every situation. Verse 3 says, and isn't Mary's son? brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. Aren't the sisters here with us? And the Bible says, and they took offense at him. I'm like, how are you going to take offense with somebody walking around healing somebody? And it makes me, honestly, you know what this verse really does for me? It comforts me as a pastor. Because I'm like, man, I feel like I'm a good pastor. I try really hard. And I look up at heaven and I go, God, people offended at me. It's supposed to be boys. We were together. I thought you, what's up? And then he shows me passages like this. He goes, okay, so Jesus was the perfect leader, the perfect person, the perfect pastor, the perfect preacher, and everybody got offended at that, homie. So you might as well get used to it, Aaron. And, and, and I don't know about you, but offense is really easy to come by nowadays. Like, like really easy. Like, if I wanted to, I could really offend you guys right now real easy. It used to be hard. It used to be hard. Now it's easy. Now, now, it's, now it's literally easy. It's easy. I could wear a shirt with a statement on it, and you could be offended. Like, it's easy. You want to know why I know it's easy? Because I've done it. Correction, I do it. It's easy to get offended. Some of y'all have like offenses. There's some funny ones out there. You're like, um, I was thinking about this. I'm like, anybody like crack your knuckles? Anybody like crack your knuckles like that? Y'all crack them or something like that? There are some people that literally lose their mind. 
when you crack your knuckles. If some of y'all get offended with some of that, some of y'all eat noisily. Like I don't know about you, but like if you sit around me and we're eating and you're crunch really, really loud, it my 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 my, my mind my mind my I can't help. I want to say something, and if I don't say something, just know it's the grace of God inside of me because I'm wanting to tell you. Could you maybe drink a little bit of water, soften that crunch down? I don't know something. <laughs> Anybody else like me? Anybody? If this, if this resonates with you, just speak the truth and shame the devil. Anybody? Uh, there's some words. I've met some people who don't like words. Like somebody, if you say moist, like is anybody like, the, is anybody on the anti-moist calendar? Like they're all in the campaign. Like some of y'all started that. Like some of y'all are just weird like that. There are some like social offenses that I have. Like if somebody talks, um, somebody talks over me when I'm trying to talk to them. I don't know if you ever talked to somebody before I'm done with my sentence. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, can you zip it? Let me finish my sentence, and then you could say whatever you want. But some people just talk over you, and they talk through you, and they talk around you. Um, the close talkers, the high talkers, the low talkers. I'm offended by all that. That's just easy for me to actually be offended with. Um, home offenses. Leaving the, uh, I'll just say this. Leaving an empty carton in the refrigerator will get me fired up. I'm just telling you. All my kids know. Everybody in my house knows. Do not leave. And if, um, stopping the mic. Okay, I know this sounds weird. Stopping the micro microwave when there's like three seconds left and not clearing it. I'm, you better pray for your pastor. Putting the toilet paper on the wrong way. If you turn it, if it comes out from the bottom, if it comes out from the bottom, you're a terrible person. I just want you to know that. It's, it's just, it's, it's not right. When you set the thermostat at what can only be described as polar ice, like when it's too cold all the time, when I can see my breath, it's too cold. It's too cold. Um, when you leave the cabinet drawers open and like you want it, I want to come around the corner and I've nailed my knee right into the shin. That person... He's good thing he's my son because he wouldn't live with us anymore. It was bad. It's not good. But the truth is, is that 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 offense is really really dangerous. And here's why: because it produces bitterness inside of our hearts. And um, and and bitterness is simply that. Actually, bitterness in the Greek is uh, pikria. It actually um means an an embittered or resentful spirit. Uh, better better described, it's honestly is resentment brought on by evil toward us. So the problem is this bitter. People produce bitter relationships. And you can't expect good fruit to come from bitter root. And so it's dangerous because it'll produce something in your life that you don't want. If you don't want it, we have to make a change. Um, we often see this principle happen a lot in our life. There's a principle about what, what you sow is what you, what you reap. You know what I'm talking about, right? And, and we get that. You know, that, that was a, a teaching because they were farmers at the time. So they understood that if I plant a seed, I will reap the harvest of that seed. But the, oftentimes what we do is we'll plant the seed of bitterness and expect the root to produce a, a harvest of happiness and joy. And it doesn't work like that. Then you go to counselors and go like, I don't know why I'm so mad. I don't know why my life is so upset. I don't know why I'm upset about everything. And you're like, well, and then what they do, you know what they do? Because I promise you, I've been going to counseling for like 15 years. Like, you know what they do? They go and try to find all the areas of the bitterness of offense that has been planted in your life. And then you know what they do? They dig it up because they want that to get out of you. So they want it to get, they, want, they, they, they try to find in your past what offended you. What was the thing that really hurt you? Paul took this really seriously. In Ephesians, he wrote this letter to the church. He said, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. He said, you got to get that out of your heart. It's only going to produce ugly things in your life. So what do you do? The question you have to ask you. So I might have convinced you, right? You'd be like, okay, well, I guess 
Offense is bad. What do I do, pastor? Here's what you do. I know this is going to sound crazy, but it is. This is, this is, this is the, the, you have to look past the offense. Now, let me clarify what that means. That does not mean you ignore it. I'm not asking you to be ignorant towards it. Some people would teach you that and be like, well, just pretend like it didn't happen. That's the stupidest thing ever. That's what's called stuffing. And then it comes up worse later. So, so you don't ignore it. You recognize the offense and you look past it. Proverbs 10, 12. Love, what are we talking about here? Be like Christ. We're talking about how to set the tone. Love overlooks. It overlooks the wrongs that others do. It doesn't ignore. It recognizes you offended me. I took offense to that. I choose not to plant that in my heart because I believe my best life is on the other side of that. It's actually the most selfish thing you can do. If you really want to help yourself with another person, you have to look past an offense. It's not ignoring it. But it is saying, I am mature enough in Christ to look past it. So when that snarky family member comes and tells you something this Christmas, when your mama walks up to you and says, I ain't had no grandbabies no more. We're not going to get no grandbabies. When, when, when your family member who's of a different political party says something to offend you, and they used to be talking about them Republicans. And then they'd be talking about them Democrats. And you got the donkeys fighting the elephants all up in your room. You're like, my house is a zoo. Well, you introduced them into it. When, 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 come on, when, when, when your boss doesn't give you the promotion that you should have got, when Taco Bell gets your order wrong, stop going to Taco Bell. Oh, I'm just, y'all hear what I'm saying? The world is going to give you opportunities to practice this. It's not ignoring it. It's, I choose to look past it for the betterment of everybody. Number, number three, and this is the last way you can kill the vibe, kill the vibe. Be dishonorable. Be dishonorable. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without what? Mm. I'm honored everywhere else. People throw parades for me as I come in. Sacrifice for me as I come in. They treat me as extraordinary. When I came in here, dishonor happened. That's a big deal in the Bible. I just wanted to give you a few specific people I think that the Bible highlights that you need to honor as we wrap up today. Y'all want to know this? Because you'll be like, okay, well, I want to honor. Who should I honor? I'll just give you something. This is straight out the Bible. Number one, you need to honor your parents. Here's the interesting thing about honoring your parents. It, it gave no caveat to it. Isn't that frustrating? Anybody else frustrated by that? I'm like, I was waiting for like the byline. Like, where's the exception clause? Where's the asterisk where I can go around to the notes and say, except for when they treat you wrong or when they didn't do what you should have asked them to do. Hey, when they didn't, when they, if they left you, you don't have to honor them. Hey, if they didn't love you as a, kid and didn't raise you right, then you don't have to honor them. Hey, if they didn't make a right decision in the moment where they made a wrong decision, then you don't have to honor them. Bible says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life. The funny thing about honor is that it's so for you. It's not even funny. 
it, it, it promises you a long life. And we trade despair and hurt and offense and a shorter life for being right in a situation. And I, I just, I wonder if maybe there's a parent relationship in here with one of you that could be helped this year by just honoring them. And I'm not going to tell you how to do that. You're going to have to go to God with that. How do you, how could you, maybe a good question to ask yourself, how could I honor my parent this week, this month, this season? What's the one way that, that I could be different? Maybe every year I did this, or maybe every time I do see them, I do this, or maybe I treat them like this, or maybe I say this. Maybe I can honor my parents better this year. Number two, honor age. This is important to me in our church. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 32 says, rise in the presence of the aged. Hmm. Show respect for the elderly and revere your God. I am the Lord. Our society, I'm going to be so clear about this. Our society has completely abandoned this principle to the point where it's, it's pretty embarrassing. We have so normalized the degrading and dishonoring of our elderly, even as Christians, to the point that it's embarrassing. We almost celebrate it. What way can we, as a church, in our area, in our realm of influence, honor those that have gone before us? My wife and I planted our church. We had a word from the Lord. It was similar, same word. And it was, um, your church is going to bridge the gaps of the generations. We're going we're gonna to connect the hearts of those that have gone before us to the hearts of those that are next to us or behind us because, because the Bible teaches in so many areas that the, that the elderly have a responsibility to the young and the young have a responsibility to the elderly and that a great healthy society and family are those that learn from each other. And so let me give you some clear, clear handles to this. If you're younger in here, if I were you, I would do everything I can to honor those that have gone ahead of you. I would position myself of learning. I would position my heart, my language, my actions, my spirit, my, my every, position yourself in a posture of humility to say, these, they have gone ahead and have earned the right to speak into my life. If you're elderly in here, can I just say, don't abandon the young? Because they're not going to, they're going to need some help in this. And so they might not come to you. They might not give you the ability to do that. Don't give up on them. Yeah. Your job is to be a person with gasoline to throw on their fire, not water. Be the person that throws, be the one. Because let me just tell you, you tend to, you're going to have more experience, more time, more ability, more money. You're going to be able to do a lot of things to help them get to where, none of us, remember this, none of us got where we are by ourselves. There was always somebody who had gone ahead of us and said, hey, let me help you with that. Yeah. Let me help you with that. We have to learn to be, and by the way, can I just give a side note? If you're a guy in here, and I, know I meet some people, and they're like, hey, don't call me sir, don't call me mister, that's my dad. Stop telling young people to not be dishonoring, to be honoring. Stop telling people that. If somebody says mister or sir, say, thank you. Don't say, don't call me sir, I'm not a sir. Yes, you are. I'm trying, you're working against me. I'm trying to get them to be honoring, Okay. And because you feel like you're insecure about being old, no, 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 no. You earn the right to be called sir. Let them call you sir. Let them call you sir. 
I'll get off my soapbox. Number three, honor authority, honor authority. First Peter chapter two. If I didn't make you mad with that one, I'm gonna really make you mad on this one. <laughs> this is the Bible. The Bible. The sole authority in a Jesus follower's life. Please hear me. Your sole authority in your life is not your belief system. It's not your political party. It's not how you were raised. It's not what mom and dad think. It's not who your favorite superstar is and what they tweet about. Your sole authority in life, if you're a Jesus follower, is the Bible. It's not even me. It's not a church. It's not a religion. The Bible. This is the Bible. 1 Peter chapter 2. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men. It should settle every debate in your mind or in the world of whether or not you should listen to authority figures in your life. Period. Well, what if they, stop trying to find the exception to the rule. Whether the king as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those for who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, there's a lot of ignorant talk in the world. And most of us have said, this is what we say, God, I wish they'd just shut up. We have. God, I wish they would just stop talking. Man, I wish they would. Well, I can't even believe what they're saying. I wish they would stop saying that. You want to silence the talk of ignorant, foolish men? Honor the authorities that are in your life. Let me be clear about who the authorities are. That is the government, by the way. For those of you who are anti-government. I get it. Government's not perfect. You want to know why it's not perfect? Because it's ran by imperfect men and women. Get over it. Jesus had imperfect government in that time. And if he wanted to take over the government, he could have. But he didn't. I'm not saying we shouldn't vote. I'm not saying we shouldn't be. You should absolutely be a part of your local government. You should absolutely vote. You should absolutely be a part of wherever you can to influence policy. But that ain't your savior. Jesus is your savior. So we honor the authorities. We honor the government that's around us. We honor. Come on. We, we honor our men and women in law enforcement. Yeah, yeah, yes. Let me be clear. We honor. Are they right all the time? No. We honor them because honor is about who I am. Yeah, right. I set the tone for who I am, the blessing for my life. My Bible says, I honor you, period. Right, yeah. In the workplace, if you have a boss, please don't be the dude that is known to backtalk and mouth off to the boss and call yourself a Christian. Don't say you're a Christian. You're ruining it for us. You're ruining it for me. Because I got people walking in saying, I know a Christian people. They're mouthy. They don't even act like, it's funny how non-Christian people know how Christians should act. With your school and your teachers. Hello. To all those who are still in school. You ain't cool because you back mouth your, your teacher. Everybody clapped at you inside class. That ain't cool. 
your family, your spiritual authority. If I could throw me in there. I mean, it's real. It's written in the Bible. I'm just teaching the word. Got to honor them. Number four, honor everyone. I'm done. Romans chapter 12 says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another with showing honor. We're all made in the image and likeness of God. You have to remember that when you talk to people. They won't ever give you a reason. They don't deserve it, just so you know. They never deserve it. You're like, well, I'll give it to them when they deserve it. No, you'll never give it to them. You give it to them because of who you are. And number six is this, honor God. Just as he has called you to be holy, so you be holy in all you do, and I'm done. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. If I could just say this, and this is just a... If I, if I had one prayer for, for our church that would better the future of our church would be that we would admonish ourselves to holiness a little bit more. I'm, I'm grateful for grace. We are a church full of grace. We are a church full. You never get me up here and saying, you never see me get up here and going, well, if you don't do this, you're going to hell. I, I, it's, it, it's, it's so odd to me that people would say stuff like that. I, I, I get they're, they're where they're trying to go, but it, you, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is at some point, you realize you should look different than the world that you're in. You should think different. You should act different. You should talk different. You should feel different. You are in this world, but not of this world. And there is a holiness that we have lost in our own Christian circles to where you think language that comes out of your mouth doesn't matter. That you think that what you ingest into your body doesn't matter. And some of y'all are like, talk about that drinking, Pastor. I'm also talking about you at the buffet. Because when the New Testament authors talked about gluttony and drunkenness, it didn't just talk, it wasn't just talking about alcohol. I'm talking about what your eyes see. What have you normalized and watching on a regular basis? That's amazing to me how many streaming channels and streaming services and streaming things and shows that we watch. I get convicted. I'll be like watching something like, oh God, I just, I don't know what I, I ah. What am I watching? Anybody get convicted sometimes? Like, I'm just being honest. Like, I just watch stuff and I'm like, oh, I could have done without that. What you listen to? Uh, can we just be a holy church? Can we be a little, bit, a little bit more holy? I'm not saying we need to be at the front of the line of heaven. I'm just, maybe not the back. <laughs> Y'all hear my heart, right? I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm, not, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to be kind. I'm trying to be pastoral. Can I be pastoral for a minute? I just, I just want the best for us. Now I'm speaking to me. Like, I, I, God, where can I, where in my life can I, what, I always say, what can I take away or add to it to be a little more holy for you? I just want to look a little more like you today. That's maybe a good question as we wrap up. Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, I thank you that today, um, Lord, you've given us such a, a conviction and um, a great way to live our lives. And I'm just grateful that the atmosphere that we can set God can be ready and prepared and prepped for you. I pray that the miracles that are on their way, God, will be because of the atmosphere that we set for you, God. Thank you that you've given us a place and a life to set our tones. Lord, I pray that right now, Lord, there would be a, such a move of grace in our hearts that maybe, God, we would learn to be more like you and a little bit best for a great Christmas season. I pray that we would set the table right. 